to another great episode of The Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Brian, where they talk bourbon and, of course, drink bourbon. Grab yourself a pour, kick back, and enjoy another trip down the bourbon road. It's never too early to start planning your trip to the Bourbon Trail for 2023. We hope you'll join the Bourbon Road crew as we pull out all the stops this year at Bourbon on the Banks. So mark your calendars for October 6th and 7th, and we'll plan on seeing you in Frankfort, Kentucky. Be sure to listen in during the halftime break for all the details on Bourbon on the Banks. We're back in Orlando now, and we're meeting with some friends, some good friends, Rob Robinson and Nicole. And guys, it's a pleasure to have you come hang out with us for an evening here in Orlando. Thank you for inviting us. So you're big fans of uh, Universal Studios. We're pass holders. Yeah. Pass holders. Now, what does that mean? That means you just get to go whenever you want. Any day of the week. In fact, I don't think we have blackouts, do we? No. No, we're not blacked out. Anytime you want. I think I think we went there maybe a year or two ago. Uh, it's been a while, but so we're not doing the park thing this time. But we've been doing a lot of breweries. So we we like we love beer too. So it's not just whiskey on our schedule. You do beer. Okay. All right. So we've got our wives in the house tonight. They are the gallery. They're going to sit in the background and giggle at us as we get silly on air. Um, I'm. We're both got a little bit of a pour of whiskey here actually you got a lot of a pour rob that's that's a good four ounce pour yeah you have a good bartender (laughs) (laughs) all right so before we do introductions here let's take a minute they already know you're our friends you've come to visit us up here in orlando you're also going to take in a little bit of park time while you're here we actually visit with you in louisville too you do you visit in louisville as well and you're coming up again for derby we like the ponies yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, but this time, we're going to drink a little whiskey together, and you're going to play a little music for us, and we'll, we'll make the introduction. But first, I think our listeners are probably wondering, what's in your glass? So let's talk a little bit about what's in our glass today. Uh, I don't know. It, oh, this is the Blackened? This is the Blackened. So this is the Blackened X. They call it Wes Henderson. It is, it's the Masters in Collaboration series that came out from Blackened. Now, Blackened is... Uh, a project of Metallica, the band Metallica. I've heard of them. You've heard of them, just, yeah. just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been a few uh, artists that have come out with whiskeys. There's been some TV stars that have come out with whiskeys. There's been all kinds of oh, them. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people come out with whiskeys, uh, but not all of them are great, right? Some of them are good. Some of them are really good, and some of them are not so good. Can but, you say some of them are a hack job? Yeah, I, I think some of them just try to, um, yeah, they just try to build off the notoriety of the individual that's behind it. Yeah. And the, and the whiskey's not that great. But in the case of the two we have on the show today, the first of which is Blackened, these are going to be good whiskeys, really good whiskeys. Yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah. So we have the Blackened X, Wes Henderson, in our glass, and this is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, and this is a project uh, that was a collaboration between uh, Metallica and uh, and Wes Henderson, who was the, are you familiar with the Angels Envy Distillery? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Wes Henderson and his father, Lincoln Henderson, started Angels Envy Distillery in Louisville. 
And he retired last year and he's spending more time with family. He's is at that age where he wants to spend more time with family, but he does taking on some projects and this is one of them. So he kind of paired up with the Metallica team and the Blacken team and has helped them to put out a new whiskey. And this is a port finished whiskey, much like Angel's Envy is a port finished whiskey. Yeah. So uh, this is a Kentucky whiskey. This is 116.2 proof. So (laughs) that's what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered what was going on. (laughs) But we're going to sip on this a little bit. I know you like it because you're on your, I think, third pour already. I don't know, but yeah, it's good stuff. You don't want me to leave. Now, I had some notes on this earlier because we have been sipping it on a while, folks, but uh, this is uh, kind of one of those whiskeys that the nose, when you smell it, it's like there's not much there. It's it, unbelievably so. 116 proof. You'd think you'd get some alcohol and it'd burn your nose a little bit. It really doesn't. There's not much there. It's real soft. But when you drink it, that pepper and spice, yeah. it's, it's got, got a bite. lot, doesn't it? It's got a bite to it, yeah. Is that what they call the back end? Yeah, the back end or the finish, oh. right? Oh, boy. It's got a spicy back end. It does. <laughs> you like spice? I like spice, yes. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, this is a, a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, so it's produced in Kentucky, but it's an unnamed distillery, so we don't know exactly where it comes from. I'm guessing Bardstown. I would say Bardstown or Frankfurt or... Louisville, one of the three, probably. Nicole's mom lives in Bardstown. Yeah. Doesn't touch the stuff. But it's there. Yeah, it's, it's close by. 20-something distilleries. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of distilleries in Bardstown. I hadn't had the actual blackened American whiskey. This is this is a bourbon. This is a special project. 116 proof. You know, I kind of like it. I do think it's a bit disjointed. It's kind of... Uh, you expect something to have like a little bit more punch on the front if it's going to punch you in the back a little bit. So you want that punch in both places. This is where you're going to be really picky. I'm, and that's good. That's fine. I mean, I'm, but I'm I, a little picky. I, I don't but, do, but uh, you know, I don't even really do wine, but I took Nicole and I, we went through wine country in California for yeah. our um, honeymoon. Yeah. I don't know anything about wine. She Does Nicole know wine? Yeah. she Enough. Yeah. <laughs> she knows enough. I I have zero. I just go, that's good. Or no. Yeah. Well, for me, this is kind of like, uh, and I'm going to get a little more picky here because the, the listeners want to know what I'm getting on this whiskey. So I'm getting a little bit of raisins and a little like raisins and pears, but it's all pepper on the back. So it's all like spice and pepper. That part I get. Yeah. Yeah. And the nose is almost non-existent. It's very light. So it's it's pretty kind of Im- unbalanced. Which is kind of funny because it hit my nose. Did it? <laughs> yes, it did. It did. Yeah. It's funny. It, it's about a 30-second bourbon. Yeah. It, is. <laughs> it takes. You get the front end and the back end. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Metallica just for a second. I mean, band started in 1981. They currently have four members, all still around. They did lose somebody along the way, I think, but um, they have 11 out. Their 11th album's coming out this year. They started, well, Dave Mustaine was actually original. Yeah. And he left uh, over creative differences and started Megadeth. That's right. 
who we just, I, Nicole and I actually, when we went to Sweden this past summer, Megadeth was uh, the headliner on our night that we actually played. Oh, cool. So awesome. So they're still actually playing. Well, I mean, 1981 to 2023, 42 years. Yeah, 42 sounds years. right. 42 years, 11 albums, 58 million records sold. Not bad. The Rolling Stone named Metallica as number 61 on the top 100 bands of all times. Yeah, I don't know if I buy into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I I love it when when they put out uh, top bands or or specifically for me, I love it when they put out top songs. Yeah. But my favorite thing is the top worst songs of all time. That's my favorite thing in the whole world. Yeah. Because what's funny about it is that you can go, let's say, top 20 uh, on down to number one. You can sit in a room with a bunch of people and go, you know, that song, uh, oh, that's terrible. And and everybody in the room agrees. And, and, and as you go down, 19, oh, that's terrible. Pretty soon you get to number five and it says, Barry Manilow, Mandy. And somebody goes, oh, wait, I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's funny about bad songs. <laughs> the, the more that you, the closer that you get to number one. And uh, Rolling Stone had named, uh, I want to say that number one worst song of all time was, it was either Muskrat Love or, <laughs> uh, it was Muskrat Love or what was the other one? It was, um, I'll think of it in a second, but it, it, you, you're going to get somebody to argue with you. Sure. That, that's what's sure. funny about sure. worst songs. Oh, uh, it was uh, Bobby Goldsboro, Honey. I don't know if you know that song. I, I, know, I, I, I remember got Bobby Goldsboro, but I don't yeah, remember. Honey. It was a, yeah, it's a it's a horrible song. It's about his wife dies, and <laughs> he comes home from work and she's dead, <laughs> and then he's singing to her, and he's going, "Well, you know, the tree's doing pretty well since you left, and, and everything." And it's just, and you're sitting there going, "Oh no, honey died." <laughs> so, and Muskrat Love, and the funny thing about Captain and Tennille doing Muskrat Love was. It wasn't even their song. It was a cover. It had already been done by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't. I, I am I, so I, full I, of useless I thought it was theirs, of no. course. It's a music encyclopedia. No. Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, who was also, by the way, if you ever saw uh, Steve Martin do King Tut on Saturday Night Live, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band was his backup band. Oh, they were? Yes. Now, I love, I love that King Tut. Uh, what do you what do you call that skit? It's a skit, right? It, it was actually what they call a novelty song. Yeah, it, it's kind of what the classic uh, classification is. Yeah, but uh, he it was a real band, the, the, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and they did uh, Mr. Bojangles. Oh yeah, that was their big oh, yeah. song. Yeah, yeah, definitely, they were a legit band. So back to Metallica. Did did you listen to Metallica a lot? Oh, only when the Black Album came out. Okay, know, right. I mean, I I didn't really care for all of the. Uh, the very original stuff, um, oh, the early stuff, the eighties, and, and and I've heard it, yeah, you know. But I and I was playing. I was playing in bands in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, never really got into it, but if you did, you were pretty far into it. So, do you have a song that is like okay, that that Metallica song that you say I can listen to that? I like that. 
Uh, I don't know. I, I would say, you know, everybody, I, I think we're about done with Sandman. I think that even they're done with Sandman, but they, they would go out and play it every single night because it has put a lot of kids through college and bought, oh, yeah. a, bought a lot of houses. Um, Unforgiven. Okay. Yeah. Unfor- yeah. I mean, I've kind of migrated through my life through a number of genres of music. I haven't always stuck with the same thing. I don't know. I've kind of been this, uh, this music hobo. And I just go from one thing to the next. But uh, Sandman was one of mine that I liked. And, you know, I remember Metallica in probably my senior year of high school, 81, 82. I mean, before they really made it. I mean, their music was known in the big cities, but nobody knew about them in the nowhere places. Right. No, 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 no. But but it was it was very in, in my world. It was very well recorded mm-hmm. and produced. And the producer on that uh, record was a guy named Bob Rock, who ended up, he, he produced uh, Motley Crue, Theater of Pain. He ended up, he was a pretty big yeah. producer. Well, um, that's kind of a great segue into, you know, who you are and what you do. So people are like, who's this Rob guy? You brought him on your show. What does he do? Well, I, for, for 20 plus years, I was a recording engineer producer. I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I, I was... All Motown, all of my childhood until 1976. And then um, in 1976, I, I heard uh, rock and roll on the radio. It changed everything. And But I grew up in Ann Arbor, and he, he, there was a, a music store called Al Nally Music in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And that was where, as a kid, that's where you went and bought all of your guitar picks and strings and all that stuff, and you hung out there. But the cool thing about that music store was it was famous enough that people like Stevie Wonder, Prince, Ted Nugent, they were in that store. They were hanging out. There were tour buses in front of that store. It was there was so as a kid, you were just kind of glued to it. So it would be years later, about 1989, after I, I knew everybody in that place. And I met Al Nally. Uh, this is a very long story short, but I get introduced to Al Nally. And um, he had a recording studio in not the basement, but the sub basement. It was two floors below the surface of the streets. And uh, his bands that he had at the time, uh, he had, do you remember Brownsville Station? I do. Okay. Yeah. So that was his first band that he got going when they had smoking in the boys' room and it was a, a big deal. And um, then he uh, actually, he managed Brownsville Station for their entire career. And then he managed a band called Blackfoot. I remember Blackfoot. Now, yeah. this is where I come in. So about 1989, Blackfoot doesn't have really a lot going on. But I was introduced, came down into the studio, and a guy named Ricky Medlock, who's the lead singer, guitar player from Blackfoot. I get introduced to him, and uh, they said, uh, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to make, I want to do what you guys do. And so uh, there were, you know, gold and platinum records on the wall, and that's what I wanted to do. So... uh, they gave me the keys and said, here, here's your first artist. And my first artist was a guy named Michael Caton. He's a blues guitar player, by the way, still the greatest guitar player I've ever worked with. And I've worked with a lot, yeah, a ton. Uh, he was amazing. In fact, I thought they were all going to be that good, but they're not. Uh, but it was, it was a blues uh, guy and he had, a, he had a record deal over in Europe 
And they said, here, here's the keys. He's a 35 year old, a 35 year old everyday drinking alcoholic. And he's yours. <laughs> he's all yours. <laughs> and so I, there was a couple of times I thought I was going to die. Yeah. It, I locked myself in the control room. They were having fist fights and knife fights and it was crazy. Oh my goodness. We would come back the next day and he'd go, what happened? And I go, you happened. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the craziest time. So you were the adult in the room. Uh, yeah. And then, um, so that was uh, 89. And then I, it was so scary. And I mean, I feared for my life. And uh, so I quit on him. I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And I remember, so he, he called me. It was uh, Labor Day, or not Labor Day, Memorial Day of uh, 1990. And he goes, all right. I quit drinking. Let's go finish this album. I said, you serious? And he's still uh, clean to this this day. But he wouldn't finish the album without me because he knew it wasn't going to get finished. So we finished the album. We did really well. And he put it out over in Europe. And we probably, I think we went up to like number five over in Europe. And he was, uh, you know, it's just a blues guy. And he's amazing. I mean, the most intense uh, guitar player. And so after that... um, I started working with Ricky a little bit, Medlock, because he was there in the studio. And we started working on a band uh, called Warp Drive out of Milwaukee together. And and uh, we would we did a whole entire album together. And Al had another artist named Liz Laren on Atlantic Records. And he says, do you want to do this? He goes, I got this girl. Nobody will work with her. She's a total bitch. And I said, okay, <laughs> sure. And and they had all kinds of A-list players that they had brought in, and every one of them had walked out. And I, and they said, you know what? And the, her first album had stiffed over, and it was terrible. They, they spent a ton of money on it. And they said, you know what? We'll give it to you. You can't do any worse than the last guy. <laughs> and the last guy was a guy named Rupert Hine, who was like the president of the producers union. <laughs> he was... So I did, I did it and we were working on it for nine months and, um, and we were coming along and we, and, and they said, Hey, uh, it's getting cold. Do you want to go mix it in Fort Myers, Florida? And I said, yeah, sure. Let's go. So we went down to Fort Myers and in Cape Coral actually, and we rented a studio for three months and we finished the overdubs and the mixing and I didn't want to leave. Yeah. That was it. So that's where you live now. That's where I live since you and Nicole live down there. Yeah. And, uh, the weather's always nice. Well, except for when water comes ashore, but that was in September. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what? After my first hurricane, which was Charlie in two thousand four, my mom calls me and she goes, "Are you ready to come back to Michigan?" I go, "Hell no! I'll take the one day a year. I'll take it." So that I mean, you have to accept that. I mean, you have to decide. It's that part of what it's we do. Part of what you do. Yeah. But uh, Nicole and I have a, a house that we bought in twenty eighteen, which is up to code. And it just withstood 155 mile an hour winds. And you guys aren't right on the water, are you? No, we're we're on a, we're on freshwater. We're on a canal. Okay, you're on a canal. So, how far inland from the main water, the ocean, do you have to get before it's fresh? Before it switches over from being. Well, I don't know. You, you're you're the expert. It's not very far. Four miles, three. No, not even a mile. Not even. Yeah, not even a mile. Wow, that's that's amazing. I would have thought it would the waters would tra- the tides would travel in further, but I guess not. They do. They check, they check. 
But if they consider it brackish water, right? They do. I don't even know what that means. Half and half. Half, half so it's salt like, water. It's, so it's, salt, it's water, like, salt water, but it's less salt. It's like low sodium soy sauce. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't know what the difference is. Well, Melody drinks these half and a half, half cut iced tea. So it's yeah. like half sweet tea, half unsweet right. tea. So it's kind of. Yeah. yeah. Brackish. You, brackish. You drink brackish tea? I do. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Well. You're welcome to continue sipping on that whiskey because you have got a massive glass of it over there. Wow. <laughs> wow. Melody is pouring big pours tonight. Big pour. <laughs> it's good, though. 116 proof. <laughs> oh, get ready because the, we, we always start our shows with the low proof whiskey, lower proof whiskey, and then we move up from there. So our next one's going to be north of 116. I'm just warning you. Good Lord. So... You guys have an extra room? <laughs> the couch pulls out. Oh, good. I'm really liking this, even though I've got a problem with it. So this whiskey is actually, so the Black and West X West Henderson, it's a $100 bottle of whiskey. It's not cheap, but it is, it's kind of a special bottle. You're, you're not going to find it everywhere. It's a little limited in release, but it's got this, um, this kind of un- imbalance to it for me. This it's it's very light up front. Very um, okay. Out of five, what do you of, get? Out of oh, out of five, what do I give it? Yeah, three and a half. Oh, jeez, three and a half. Why? What, what do you give it? I think it's a it's a solid four. Well, I mean, that's we are different people. Yeah. And we taste things differently. So you, I, I applaud your four. You're probably I, closer to the reality than I am. I could actually sip it without a mixer. Yeah. Kind of like a high level makers. Like yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a, that's exactly what it is. It's makers 101. So Nicole so, said, because she's not on mic, but <laughs> she said that she could sip it without a mixer. So she could sip it yeah. straight. And, and, and I think the reason for that is that. It's very, very light and and upfront. You don't get like this huge alcohol like burn up front. You don't get a lot of pepper up front. You get that on the back, but by then you've already swallowed it. So <laughs> as Tommy Chong says, it grabs you by the boo boo. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> so so Rob, you're a you're a you're a record producer. You're a sound engineer. You've worked with some pretty fantastic bands. Uh, you also play the guitar yourself. Yeah, I do. And uh, you've got a little something for us that you'd like to play. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you, uh, you, you just said, hey, do you have something that have yours? Or uh, Ricky Medlock and I did an album. I mean, we did a, we did a movie, a movie soundtrack for William Shatner back uh-huh. in 2000 and two we we did this this uh movie it's called groom lake he calls it a film i call it a movie and it is a uh it's of all things it's about aliens and ricky was in the movie and it was they were filming it out in uh i want to say in new mag roswell that area and, and it's groom lake is actually this place where there's supposed to be a lot of alien activity so we ended up getting a phone call and saying, uh, hey, we need some music for the for the movie. So we did it. And uh, he, they were sending me dailies, which is what they, they shoot during the day. And then they, they don't edit it. They send it out. Now I'm looking at them in the studio and I'm like going, I called out there to New Mexico and I go, <laughs> I said, I don't mean to be offensive, but this looks a lot like Mexican soap opera. 
not, not real good. And they go, oh, no, no, no. Don't worry about that. We're going to fix it in post. <laughs> I said, no, I'm literally, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a cart that rolls over and it's going down the hill and I can see the cable pulling it down the hill. Yeah, we're going to erase that. Well, they never did. <laughs> Yeah, I like to think a lot of times when a podcast is not going great that and, and, you know, sometimes we have a lot of background noise or, you know, we, we have a band that fires up at the other end of the auditorium and we're recording over here. We're in the green room, but the green room's not really soundproof. And, you yeah, know, right. just and I'm like, I can fix that later. And, and <laughs> no, <I've>, you can't. <laughs> I've, I've I've usually been able to pull it out. You can do your best. Do your best. Yeah. I've only literally lost one episode that I could not save. So they, they tell you when you're doing a movie, they go, well, this this one is going to be uh, on a jukebox in a diner. And this one's going to be on the car while you're driving on the road. And this one's going to be, they, they actually give you, they tell you what the purpose is. And, you know, but remember, the, these songs that you do are three and a half, four minutes long. <laughs> and and they're using about six or eight seconds of it <laughs> and so you go through all the trouble to you know record a song and everything but this i'll do this one that i ended up i wrote this song and um and it was going to be um in a in a, a jeep well it turned out it wasn't a jeep it was a suzuki samurai <laughs> oh yeah i remember those <laughs> But it was, uh, you know, so it was on the radio while they're going down the road and they're having a conversation. So this would be in the background. So I'll just do, I won't do all of it. Okay. Okay. I'll just do, I'll give you a little bit of it. You play as much as you like. There's a fire on the mountain, better get your gun. Yeah, they keep a fire burning all the day. That ain't the one That's the signal fire That's called a war I bet the DEA Got men everywhere They ain't the school You better get your babies up off the floor Cause it won't be long Till they're at our door Yeah, they wanna take from you And take from me They wanna take us They want to break us Everywhere and I know There's a fire on the mountain There's a glow up in the sky There's a fire on the mountain Eight miles high That was uh, on a Suzuki Samurai radio driving down the road. <laughs> that was pretty good. I enjoyed that a lot. Now, is that now? What would you call that? Would you call that kind of a, just a good well, time song or a ballad? I, I would have called it country rock. I guess country rock. Yeah. Okay. You know, but I, which I was never into. I mean, I was a Motown kid, so yeah, I didn't know anything about Southern rock at all, at nothing. And then I met Ricky with, with Blackfoot. I had a cousin who had told me about Leonard Skinner. This was in probably the early 80s. And uh, she said something about Leonard Skinner. And I said, I, I have no idea who that is. But uh, there was, uh, we used to go to the music store and this 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 building would just be pumping. 
this beat pulsating music and it was uh blackfoot was downstairs rehearsing and then it would be a couple years after that that i'd actually be going down there meeting everybody and, and working on music with them so i but i had no idea who they i had no idea there was a genre of southern rock at all nothing yeah and probably then, one of the most famous you know southern rock bands of all times oh blackfoot well, well yeah i'd say you know um you got to put Skinner pretty much at the top. But Skinner's at the top. I'd say you got to put the Almond Brothers, Almond Brothers, right there. And then after that, you got your thirty-eight specials, and you got your um, Molly Hatchet, Hatchet, and you got Blackfoot, and you got the Outlaws. Yeah, and the Outlaws were even a little bit before Blackfoot. They were actually, and so um, I was a huge Outlaws fan. Really? Yeah. I okay. Really so was. I knew Huey Thomason very well. Oh, did you? Yeah, because Huey was in Leonard Skinner when I started working with Leonard Skinner in 96. So in, in, in when I, so I was on the road with Blackfoot from 90 to 96 and in the studio. And um, in 96, my partner Al calls me and he goes, you better. And I was in Chicago. He says, get a uh, rent a car, get to the airport and get down here to Fort Myers. He goes, I just put Ricky back in Leonard Skinner and they're going to be here in 10 days. Wow. So um, I did. And I, and I flew, I remember I was so exhausted. I remember I got to Chicago O'Hare and I was the first one there at the, at the, you know, the, you know, at the, at the gate, I was the first one there. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I can take a nap. And the next thing I remember, I got a newspaper over my head and I hear last call. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I, I flew down to Fort Myers and we had, uh, we had carpenters and plumbers and electricians and everything. And we were turning our building into rehearsal, recording, everything. And it was 10 days later and Skinner pulled in. And there was Gary Rossington and there was Leon Wilkerson, Billy Powell, Huey Thomason, and Ricky was in it. And then um, Johnny Van Zandt. And we started working that day, like, you know, getting the band uh, rehearsed and ready to go. And then 10 days after that, um, uh, I kind of got nostalgic last night. Just I pulled out some itineraries, and and it was uh, it was uh, it, that 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 went right from Fort Myers right over to Coral Sky Amphitheater in West Palm Beach, Florida, and started with it. It started a tour with the Doobie Brothers, and it was just boom. Yeah. And so <clears throat> at that point, I I worked with Skinnerd for the next twelve years, working on rehearsals, recording, and um, albums. And I got to be uh, very intimate with with everything. That's so awesome. Yeah. So I got I mean, to. That's an experience that not many people get to no, go through. No, and I, I mean, didn't ask for it. Yeah. <laughs> but I got to. Um, but you earned it. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't. At that, at that point, I stopped going on the road because with Blackfoot, we were doing. Um, at one point in August of 2000. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. In August of 1996. I. I when I, when I moved, when Nicole and I moved into a new house, I was throwing stuff away and I found an old calendar from Blackfoot in 96 and we were doing 20,000 miles a month. Oh my goodness. That'll wear on you just a little bit. Well, it's the reason my body's not right. Yeah. You know, for sure. And so we were actually traveling um, from Yuma, Arizona to upstate New York in the same month. That's what was happening with Blackfoot. Wow. 
And so we did. And some one day, I remember in the middle of August of 96, we did a we did a double. We actually did a double at uh, we did a place called Suntan Lake in New Jersey. And then we that night we we, we drove up to uh, upstate New York and uh, played a gig up there. Wow. So I, and with Blackfoot, I started the very in 1990. I started with Blackfoot doing uh, merchandise, selling T-shirts. I mean, it was that was it. You know, it was just I I did the whole merchandise thing. And so during the course of Blackfoot, I worked my way from T-shirts and hats and can koozies to tuning guitars to, oh, crap. We got a guy that can't sing. So now I'm singing behind the Marshall stacks to eventually, <laughs> to eventually I'm on stage playing bass. So it goes all the way from selling t-shirts to playing bass and singing. Well, and I mean, our listeners just heard you regale a, a little song there. And I think they, they probably know you can sing already. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can, yeah. you can either sing or you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't. <laughs> so, uh, that, and, and so we were at that point, we were at that point when it was time that, that Ricky went with Leonard Skinner. So it was time to put Blackfoot to bed, but it, it actually with with Ricky going into Leonard Skinner, you see it, it, it made Blackfoot actually more valuable. So while Ricky was on the road with Leonard Skinner, we were, in the studio redoing Blackfoot songs so that they could be licensed for uh, uh, t- two commercials. One of them was a Toyota Tundra pickup commercial. And one of them was Tom Brady selling. Um, he did a cologne for a while. <laughs> I forget what it was. Do you remember what it was? So, uh, so we would actually, we were redoing Blackfoot songs and my partner Al was licensing them for, Wow. You know, so Ricky's out on the road doing Blackfoot. I mean, doing Skinnerd, and we're back in the studio because all of a sudden Blackfoot's worth more money. So, and then, and then Ricky got inducted into the uh, what's called the Native American Hall of Fame, and that was in two thousand and nine. And uh, we went up to the Seneca Gaming Casino in. Uh, Niagara Falls, New York side, not the Canadian side. Yeah. And we played at the Seneca Gaming Casino. And what a crazy night that was because Blackfoot was the headliner. But I'm walking around backstage and I was playing and singing with him. And uh, I'm walking around backstage and I go, the army guy and a cop and it's a village people. Village people. And so Felipe Rose, the guy, (laughs) Felipe Rose, the Indian. And I have a picture with, yeah. with him. He walks up to me and I, he's a great guy. He's, he's funny, but he, he comes up and he goes, you are bad. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, so it, it, it's funny because uh, my, my old buddy, Eric, who you met a while ago, he goes, I just remember the village people knocking on your door at two in the morning going, Hey, are you coming out of here? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm never coming up. <laughs> so the village people was on it. And um, who else was on it? Uh, a band called Taste of Honey. They, they had a, they were one hit wonder in the 80s. And they had a song called Boogie Oogie Oogie. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I do remember. You know, I hate yeah. to say it. I yeah. remember and she, that. She, Janice was a bass player. And yeah. she, was, she was in, the, in there. Um, there's a lot of people in the Native American Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. Jackson Brown, Cher, Wayne Newton. All of these people have done this and played this gig. Yeah. 
And so I got to play that gig. It was pretty cool. Fantastic. Yeah, it was great. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break and uh, we're going to finish. We're going to finish off this uh, this two ounces of whiskey that you have there. Actually, you can you can pour a little bit in my glass if that's too much, because we got some big drinking to do in the second half. Good Lord. You think nobody told me. So you were getting ready to say something. Oh, I was just going to say, when I played at the Seneca Gaming Casino, yeah, that's when I discovered Canadian whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's try to get our glasses empty. And when we come back, folks, we've got another great whiskey and more, uh, more with Rob Robinson. Thank you. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we hope you'll join us this fall on October 6th and 7th for Bourbon on the Banks. The festival itself is from 2 to 6 p.m. on October the 7th, and you can pick those tickets up at bourbononthebanks.org for $65. They also have an early access ticket for $75. It'll get you in an hour early and definitely get you access to some special pours. But if you always like that VIP access, this year they're bringing in the VIP access tickets. We'll give you access to their VIP tent and all the great things that go along with that for $175. Be sure to check out bourbononthebanks.org. They'll get all the details on this year's event. listeners so we are back it's uh it's a great episode today with rob robinson and we're going to be drinking another whiskey today so rob i think you were able to finish that blacken that you had poured that four out well you didn't pour it melody poured it yeah did she do you a, a, a solid on this one yeah we're going to be using your pull-out couch <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right. Oh, but no, no, that was awesome. That blackened one was fantastic. That was really I, I thought it was good. really good. I, I gave it. it a four. You gave it a three five. I gave it a three five because so it's kind of a nerdy kind of thing, right? So I gave it a three five because it was uh, it was all like fireworks on the back end, but on the front it was kind of light and soft. It talks its way through the front door. But there then, you go. There you go. But then. It destroys your living room. The destroyer. Yeah, yeah. that's what happens. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it talks its way. Hi, do you have a restroom? Oh, yeah, sure. Come on in. <laughs> and then, bam, just an explosion. Well, I'm going to say this. if Listeners, if you have an opportunity to pick up a bottle of the Blackened X Wes Henderson, uh, the special release. Yeah. A hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, if, if that's in your wallet, I think if you're able it. to do that, yeah. I, th- I, th- I say get it. That's worth it. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Awesome. Well, we're moving on. We've got another whiskey uh, now, and we are opening Heaven's Door. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we've, been, we've been knocking on it. Knocking on Heaven's Door. <laughs> that's right. No, now Bob Dylan's now opening Heaven's Door. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a Heaven's Door release here. It is a single barrel release. Um, Selected by Total Wine. We picked this up in Florida. There are 154 bottles in this 
particular keg. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm sure they spread it amongst their stores here in Florida, but um, it is 125.4 proof. It doesn't just knock on heaven's it door. Knock on, it, <laughs> it, it kicks it in. <laughs> it actually makes an announcement. Hey, we're coming in. <laughs> it, it, it kicks it in. So we both have a pretty generous pour of this, but you've got a really generous pour of this. <laughs> the girls are taking care of you tonight, Rob. Don't forget to tip your waitresses and bartenders. You know? Hey, remember, these girls work for tips and tips alone. <laughs> All right. Well, let's check out this whiskey. Yeah. Cheers, Rob. Salute. I'm glad it's on ice. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's kind of a bold whiskey from the start, right? Like, as soon as it hits your mouth, it's like taking over. Yeah. It is uh, pow right in the kisser. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So, Bob Dylan has a whiskey. What do you think about that? Well, I'm not sure that he drinks it. I'm sure he drinks it. You think so? I think so. I think Bob Dylan toured the world for... I mean, since the 60s, right? Yeah. And he probably drank whiskeys in every single major city in the world. Uh, but 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 in the 60s, they were shitty. They you were, think so? I think they were lousy whiskeys, yes. I, I think I the whiskeys today are definitely better than what they were back then. Well, everyone's paying attention. Yeah. They weren't back then. Yeah. I mean, as, 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 as you go around the world several times, like he has, yeah. you just acquire a taste for something a little bit better. Well, tell me what you know about Bob Dylan, just just in a nutshell. I mean, you know, he's got some great songs that are that are like uh, timeless, right? What I know is he started off acoustic. Yeah. And when he went to electric, he lost about half of his fan base because they thought that he had sort of sold out. Yeah. Um, but he has written a lot of songs for a lot of people that have had a great deal of success and he's still doing it. He was actually in the super group, the Traveling Wilburys. The Traveling Wilburys. Yes, which had uh, Jeff Lynne and George Harrison and Bob Dylan and Tom Petty. Um, and uh, who else was in it? Uh, oh, Roy Orbison. Yeah. And then uh, a, guy, a, a drummer that nobody really knows of, but his name is Jim Keltner. And Jim Keltner played on virtually every piece of vinyl recorded in the 1970s. So how many people in that group are still living? Uh, let's see. Uh, Petty's gone. Roy's gone. Uh, George is gone. <laughs> Bob Dylan is alive. Um, and Jeff Lynn's alive. So two people. Well, you know, one of the things, and did you know that Bob Dylan was an artist? I mean, in, a, in addition to music, did you know he was into other forms of art? It, it doesn't shock me in the least. I mean, it's just another avenue. It's what yeah. these guys do. Lou Reed. Yeah. Same sort of stuff. Yeah. So Bob Dylan was a painter. Yeah. He was also a, um, a sculptor and he does metal work. Like, you know. Well, so does Metallica. Yeah. They, they do metal work. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But, but That's Bob not a Dylan big deal. literally takes, he, he literally takes things he finds uh, around the countryside, like um, small pieces of iron here and there. And he, builds gates out of them and he makes these beautiful ornate metal gates and one of which is you can see on the front of the bottle there uh, 
I see. And every bottle of Heaven's Door that comes out has a different gate that Bob Dylan has built in his shop. And he's uh, he's he's something else when it comes. I mean, some of his artwork is tremendous. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to see his paintings, but not really. No. He uh, he always. I mean, a lot of people when they when they toured, you know, they were busy partying, right? <laughs> I mean, part I, of the job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's part of the. Well, Bob Dylan would re- recluse himself, and uh, he yeah. would paint. He would paint, and he would uh, work. On- I think he was buddies with Andy Warhol back, yeah. in, back in the day. Yes, of course, he may very well have been. I didn't know that New York but- Greenwich Village kind of thing. And uh, did you know that Bob Dylan was in a bad motorcycle accident? I didn't. Yes, he was, and that actually put his career on hold for a moment. Um. And that's just one of those things. Um, but I, I would assume that he was friends with Warhol and was in that group. And I know he was part of the whole Greenwich Village thing in New York at the time. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of uh, organic sort of acoustic acts. Um, the, the Mamas and the Papas were in that, gr- in that group at the time. They were in a what was called a jug band. It was you know, were you? Ooh, ooh. Oh, you, yeah, with the jug, jug, right? Band. Yeah, and it was called the Mugwumps. Mugwumps. Man, that sounds awful familiar. <laughs> Why do I know that? I don't know. And they never did anything <laughs> that did anything. <laughs> but uh, they were all, everybody knew each other at the time. Believe it or not, so was uh, Stephen Stills, and so was Peter Tork of the Monkees. Oh, wow. They, they Everybody knew each other, and it was, they, they're all 22 years old. <laughs> If you could look and go, hey, at 22, uh, Stephen Stills, you're going to be one of the, you're going to be in Crosby, Stills, and Nash. You're going to be in one of the big, people like Stephen Stills are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. He he was in uh, the Buffalo Springfield, which is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was in Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Graham Nash. Is also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. He was in the Hollies and he was in Crosby, Stills and Nash. Um, and Neil Young. Neil Young was in Crosby, Stills and Nash. Twice, Young. Right? <laughs> he was in as Neil Young. <laughs> yes, he might be in three times. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a great time, wasn't it? A great era of music. Think about it. these guys are all twenty, one, two, three years old. You you don't you don't bet at the time you know that guy's going to be huge he's going to be huge they're all going to be in the rock and roll hall of fame they're all going to be massive stars but they are yeah well folks if 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 you've been seeing these uh, these special whiskeys come out these whiskeys that are like sponsored by um, no, notable figures yeah you notable know, <laughs> sometimes sometimes you're not sure if the whiskey's going to be good or not. Let me just tell you that the two we've had on the show tonight, the blackened, the Wes Henderson edition of this is really good. I say a four. You said a four. I said a three and a half. But yeah. for me, a three and a half is go get it. Right. I'm, I'm yeah. like, you need to have this. You, you said if you have $120 in your pocket, go get it. <laughs> go get it. That's right. <laughs> and then this Heaven's Door. This is a, this actually, this one is actually a. Total Wine Store Pick. It's at 125.4 proof. It is a single barrel. Uh, but, you know, the other day I had a single barrel version of this at a bar in Orlando here called The Whiskey. 
You know yeah. where that is? Uh-huh. And uh, I, I really enjoyed that as well. I think we posted that on our group. So go back and check out our previous post on that. And then we had another listener. Who was it, Melody, that uh, that posted? Amy Ratliff posted, um, she recently picked up a bottle of Heaven's Door and, and posted something online about it. So this is definitely a whiskey that you need to pay attention to, I think. Is and it a is it a bourbon? It, it, this is a straight bourbon whiskey. Now, this particular whiskey is not a Kentucky bourbon. This is a Tennessee bourbon. You know, a lot of uh, music happens in, in and around Nashville or Memphis. And this is a Nashville whiskey. Got so. it. But definitely pay attention to it. This is about $75 for a bottle. So not quite as expensive as the special release Blackened. But this is a barrel pick. So I think if you pick up the standard Heaven's Door bottle, it's around $45. So not too much, right? I would say that the Blackened one was pretty, pretty good. I I, uh, yeah. I I like it better than I like that. like this one is a little bit more like it, it immediately attacks you oh, up front. It's, right, it's, it's like it's like drinking fire ants. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I understand completely. Yeah, this is that a term that you use? I've never used fire ants before, <laughs> but at first it's a it's like drinking fire ants, and then the back end. It's just nice and smooth. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. This one's pretty bitey. Yeah. Right out yeah, of the this gate. is a bold whiskey. This is a very bold. bold. I like that, bold. It's bold. <laughs> it's high proof. It is in your face. It is uh, loud. Loud. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> loud. You like that? Yeah, that's loud. This that, is. Uh, that, that bourbon is loud. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you know what? You know what else is loud? Limburger cheese. That's yeah. loud. That's yeah, what they Limburger's call it. definitely Have loud. You ever had that? That's pretty loud. But I don't know. I think that this is something that you might want to try out. If you get a single barrel of Heaven's Door at Barrel Proof, you can always put it on ice, right, Rob? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah actually, you can do what Nicole does. Throw it on some Diet Coke and with a lime, you're in good shape. Yeah. But it's it's real uh, fire forward. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. Burn you yeah. right, right out of the gate. So, do you have a Bob Dylan song that's like that one that? <laughs> There's only one. There's only one. <laughs> um, hey, Mister Tambourine Man. Yeah, actually, the Birds did it in '65. Yeah, they did. Uh, they did. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, David Crosby just passed away about, about a month ago, and that he he was on that song, but. Um, uh, I would say that uh, Heaven's Door is uh, that Nicole's version is a, is the Guns N' Roses. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So you know the quality of the song is how many times it's been covered or redone, right? Too dark to see 
feel like I'm knocking on heaven's door. That is, that's timeless. Yeah, that's it timeless. is great, yeah. yeah. So, how old is Bob Dylan now? I mean, if you had to guess, eighty. Eighty. Yeah, I'm going to guess. Is he? Is he still in public? Yeah, I think he's out there. Yeah, I don't know if he's doing gigs or anything, but I think he's out there making appearances. Well, he's got to promote his bourbon. <laughs> that's true. He does. <laughs> I wonder if he's still in there, like, welding up gates. I mean, he's... So, every bottle that they put out, every single... And, and I'll show you after the show. He does a different He does label? a different gate. Like, he, he'll oh. weld a gate out of uh, just scrap, right? Yeah. Like you've seen those people that, that take scrap and they weld them into, yeah. like, art, right? And that's what he does. That's what he does. So, I think while he was traveling and gigging and doing all that stuff, he was doing more painting and now he's doing more like sculpting metal sculpting i don't know it's pretty cool he's a very artistic guy are you looking it up how old is he what 81 81 81 i was off yeah pretty pretty cool fellas pretty good though yeah so many so many names from that era are uh, are passing on and we're at that point yes we're at that point we're not there yet you and me. I mean, we're, 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 I mean, we're, we're, we're still no, but, living the dream, right, Rob? Yeah. So that's the the only way that uh, Ricky and uh, Ricky Medlock and I stay in touch is when somebody dies. Is so we get a we get a text message and and it'll just be somebody's name, and that's it. <laughs> and it might say James Brown. <laughs> that's it. You know, we're at that kind of point where, you know, people are just kind of checking out. But um, but that's life. I mean, life is birth. Live as much as you can and, and and then you die. And then you hope you leave a little bit of legacy behind. Yeah. And taxes. Yeah, we are. I, I You know what? That's exactly right. We are living the dream. And I, like I, t- I talk to people that I haven't talked to in forever, you know, and, and I'll go, hey, man, how you doing? And they go, oh, you know. Living the dream. Yeah. And I go, you are. You really are. Yeah. Because I know we are. I know Nicole and I are. I mean. There, there is life after rock and roll, right? <laughs> is it? If you can get out, you know, it's. It, there. Jim Morrison had a, uh, a. There was a book on Jim Morrison. It's called Nobody Gets Out of Here Alive. But you kind of do. Yeah. If you can make it. There's a few of us. <laughs> And I did, and it was in 2009. And, um, you know, I was in the, I had been working with all of these bands for many, many years. And 
you know, I, I realized in one day that like I, I still in, in that this is true today right now. I still haven't done a line of cocaine in my life. I I didn't ever mess around on my my wife at the time. And uh, and I certainly wouldn't now. I mean, Nicole is my wife and I, I didn't smoke weed. I hate it. And I didn't really drink. Now, I enjoy a bourbon. But now. they were doing it all around you. So everybody, it, it, when you're in it, everybody does all of it, every yeah. single bit of it. And I realized in one day that that it, um, one of those things, just if you did one, you know, if I did cocaine, you know, one of those things can take you down. Yeah. And I realized everybody around me was doing all all of it. Yeah. And, but it doesn't, it, it, it's not something that you actually, um, uh, it's not something that happens overnight. Yeah. So you just look out one day and you look around the room and you go, you know, I'm the only one in here. I'm the only one here that has a normal life. Like I actually have values and morals. And Well, I won't mention any names. We've had guests on the show who have talked about, uh, and you can go back and listen to prior episodes if you like folks, but we've had guests on that have talked about that, you know, that, that life that comes along with it's being hard. on the road, it's right? Really I mean, it's, it's tough. And, and, you know, and, you know, and I'm saying, Hey, can you recount any, you know, notes on this whiskey? And they're like, my nose took its toll in the eighties. Sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> so my, my, my partner, <laughs> my business partner, he has no nose. Yeah. yeah it's all gone. He yeah. says, I did, I did my cocaine and I did your cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I never did. Yeah. I was pretty lucky. And it was more than luck. Yeah. But well, um, you were you were smart about it. I, I was. Yeah. And then uh, there was one day I just walked away from all of it. Yeah. And I love everybody to death. And uh, I had great relationships and I have incredible stories. And I have a lot of them that can't come out even after people die. Yeah. That's all right. And it's sad. So you've had an opportunity to travel a little bit. Yes. With what you do, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I still do. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm more of a hired gun. Yeah. And you take Nicole with you. I, that's the only deal. <laughs> As a matter of fact, last year they said, uh, hey, I, a, a real good friend of mine, a drummer, called me up and he goes, hey, I want you to come and do this gig. And I said, where is it? And he says, it's Sweden. I said, no. And they, they, and they said, okay. And they called me two weeks later and they go, we really need you to come and do this gig. What's it going to take? And I said, well, first of all, you got to take my wife. And they said, done. And I said, oh, great. <laughs> no argument. <laughs> now what am I going to do? <laughs> so I learned an hour's worth of a set and we went and we, we went to Sweden and we played a, a, it's a big show and it's, it's in Sweden. And I remember back in the early nineties, it was only two days. And now it's four yeah. and it's huge. It's 55,000 people a day. And uh, so we went and we actually played the first day. Uh, I was a hired gun for a guy named, uh, what's his name? Jean Beauvoir. Jean Beauvoir. <laughs> and John was actually the bass yeah. player. Jean Beauvoir was the bass player in, in, a, in a 70s punk band called the Plasmatics. I've heard of the players. Yeah, Wendy yeah. Williams, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's still, John is huge in Sweden. Yeah. Uh, nothing over in Bonita Springs, Florida, but he's, he's huge. He 
And so we went over there and it was, it, it was huge. And we, we played a gig and we signed autographs for two hours and it was awesome. My goodness, the plasmatics. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but he, he actually lived over there for about, I, I want to say he lived over 10 or 12 years. Yeah. So he's very well known in Sweden. I think that's a great gig. I, I think that if you can be known for some something somewhere that's away from your home and you can still have your life. Yeah. That's a really awesome thing. You can escape it. You can escape it to home. It, it's awesome. <laughs> um, because I always could yeah. live in anonymity and I love it. And I get to do whatever I want to do. And I, I get to go wherever I want to go. But I remember in about 1995, anyways, I, uh, I did live at Ricky Medlock's house because we were bringing in some guys to audition for the band. And so they said, well, you know, you give them your apartment and then you'll go live with Ricky. So I lived with, at Ricky's house with my dog, my little Pomeranian dog named Shadow. And we lived at Ricky's house. And so we would do uh, normal things like go to Winn-Dixie and go to the produce section. <laughs> it was just hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I just thought this was normal in my world, but you know, people coming up to somebody that you're with and going, Oh my God, I saw you. I saw you in Greensboro in 77. <laughs> you know, like and you don't really get to escape that. And I do. Yeah. I, it's good to be able to escape that. Cause some people can't. And I've, I've talked to Melody before. I mean, that's not something that I don't want to be that guy. Oh I no. I, I want, I, I want a life. In fact, yeah. not only do I want a life, I want our life. Yeah. Our life is awesome. And we get to go and do whatever we want. Whenever we're in Orlando, we, we, we can go to the theme park whenever we want. Do you yeah. know what our typical day at the theme park is? We walk in and we walk all the way back to Finnegan's pub and mm -hmm. we sit in our regular seats and our regular bartender comes up and says, Hey, how you guys doing? You want your normal doubles? And we go, yeah. And we do. And, <laughs> and we drink our doubles and, and then we, we pull out the app and we go, well, let's see what the rides look like. Oof, looks like a little long, <laughs> two more doubles. And if we ride a ride a day, it's a good day. Yeah. And, but that's our life. Like, yeah. We have the, best life that's and awesome so we get to and we we get to go to orlando maybe ride a ride who cares if we do and then we go back home so i i enjoy the anonymity and then if i get to if i want to go and play a gig or go out and back somebody up in a band i can do that so our listeners are like this guy rob he's he's like really cool <laughs> <laughs> I would I would love to meet him sometime. So you, you how, would. How I'll do, tell you that. How do you're... they How do they meet you, Rob? How do they find you? I mean, you're playing gigs from time to time. We don't even know when. I mean, sometimes it's uh, a day or two before the gig. So, um, do you have any social media accounts? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's Rob Robinson in Cape Coral, Florida, on uh, on Facebook. But I don't have a calendar. No, no, not at all. No, you no. just when it, when it's time you'll play. Yep, that's exactly right. Matter of fact, I was telling you earlier we we played a gig uh, next to our pool. Uh, it was two weeks ago this this weekend. That was either going to be a gig out or 
We just, Nicole, Nicole's had trouble sleeping lately. So she woke up and she wakes up in the middle of the night. One morning I woke up and she goes, we're having a Mardi Gras party. You're playing it. That was true. You said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And I do. And we had the best, she threw the best party in the world. So I don't, I don't go out and play a whole lot anymore. So Rob, would you play at our barn party in Kentucky? I probably sure, but you got to talk to my manager. <laughs> Your barn party—that sounds like it's right up my alley. <laughs> All right, well, Rob, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. We had such fun. Is it over? I mean, I mean, can you believe it? I mean, we've been going for an hour now. It it goes so fast, doesn't it? I know I'm a talker. No, it's cool. <laughs> it's it's so cool. We hope you'll play an outro for us, though. This is one of Cole's favorites. Folks, where you can find the Bourbon Road on all social media outlets. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. You can also find us on TikTok, believe it or not. We don't dance, but we do post some videos. So definitely check us out. Every week on Wednesday, we'll put out an episode. Make sure you uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast outlet. 
We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. You can find us on Google Podcasts. Basically, anywhere you can find your podcast, you'll find The Bourbon Road. Make sure you subscribe to us so that you'll get that notification that a new show has come out every single week. We'd love to have you listen to us. If you've got an idea for a show, if you've got an idea for a guest, a bottle, if you've got a distillery in your hometown that's doing it right, make sure you let us know. All you need to do is go on to thebourbonroad.com. We have a contact us page there. Go in there and fill that out. Let us know what you're thinking. We'll get on it right away. You can always send us an email. You can send an email to me or Brian or Tyler at team at thebourbonroad.com. We'll get on it right away. We hope you listen to us every single week. We hope you enjoyed this show. Rob's fantastic. We'd love to have him back someday. In the meantime... Make sure you're listening, and we'll see you down the Bourbon Road.